Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 82. Today, we're talking about giving your children space for authenticity. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years, and I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls, ages 10 and 7. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast, my friends. So great to connect with you again. If you are a new listener, welcome. Sometimes on this podcast, we have interviews, sometimes we have solo episodes, and sometimes I have my dear friend Carla on. So we talk about all things related to mindful parenting and conscious parenting and about helping you get to that place where you are truly thriving, truly grounded. That's really, really my goal, ultimately. So in this episode, we have an interview with the amazing Anna Seawald, and she's the founder of Authentic Parenting. She's a speaker, an author, a podcaster, and a parent educator. She has a background in psychology and education and has been working with kids for nearly 18 years and helping parents. So it, we, her, she and I just click. You know, when you just can talk to somebody for hours and hours and hours, this is me with Anne. I had to consciously stop our conversation because I was having so much fun. Um, I mean, we talk about 
all kinds of things, trauma and parenting, women's stress. Um, how much do we really need to attune to our kids? You might be surprised at the amount of time. Um, we talk about the idea of, um, of overparenting, right, and, and, and knowing yourself. And, and I, the, I have a quote highlighted from our conversation. We need to fix the children we once were. If I interfere less, she will bloom better. I love this. Really lots of lots of incredibly great ideas in this episode. So listen all the way through. It's really, really great. If you are listening to this in real time, end of the summer 2017, then there's a few things coming up I want to let you know about. I am starting a new group coaching experience, and it's going to be called Beyond Mom, and it's about not only just getting yourself grounded and present and peaceful with your family, skillfully communicating and things like that, but also going beyond mom to serve the world in a bigger way. It may be through your your interest, your talent, your work, or your volunteering. And I'll be doing a workshop about that on September 12th at 2 p.m., and I will have information about that at hunteryoga.com slash, I think, under events. And um, if you want information about the coaching group, you can go to hunteryoga.com slash beyondmom and check that out. And then, of course, save the date. The in-person event is coming up on um, October 21st, the Mindful Mom Autumn Retreat at the beautiful Winterthur Estate in Wilmington, Delaware. And there's going to be two options for that, actually. There's going to be a regular option to go, and you don't have to bring any lunch. You just bring yourself. It's beautiful. You just arrive and have this incredible day. There's breakout sessions and gentle yoga and meditation and deep relaxation and deep discussion and connection with other moms. And you can just go for the day. Also, there is a another option to go out to dinner with myself and the other coach, Jeannie Stith, in the evening. So you'll, you can see those two options. And the early bird um, tickets for that are going to be ending on September 9th. Or, yep, I think September 9th. So... If you're interested in going that, check out the early bird tickets on the 9th, but um, tickets will be available a little bit after that as well. So check that out. I think that's it. Oh, oh no, that's not it because I want to thank people for iTunes reviews. They're growing. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> so I want to thank there were three new reviews since the last time I checked. So thrilled about this. Um, so thank you for Inspiration Libate from Inspiration Libation, who loved the five rules of parenting and loves when Carla is on the podcast. Great. Me too. Um, Jet Joy, thank you so much for your five-star review. And well, and thank you so much for La Me Lab. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm saying that right. But um Anyway, thank you for your five-star review, uh, and she said she's lis listening to this podcast a lot um, and, and sometimes doing more housework than necessary to have an excuse to keep listening. I love that. That's so, oh my God, I was like so thrilled when I read that. That made me so happy. Thank you so, so much. So if you're not aware of these reviews <clears throat> on iTunes and Stitcher and things, they 
help other people find the podcast. And so, uh, and it's like, this has to do with their algorithm and things like that. So it is very, very helpful for you to leave a review. And it's actually really pretty easy now. So you can, like, if you're listening on your phone, which is how I listen to podcasts, you can just go to the podcast app on your phone. And even if you're already subscribed, which I recommend you do, you search for the Mindful Mama podcast. And then there's a place there where you can you, you click on the little box for the Mindful Mama podcast picture, and it says ratings and reviews, and you just there's a place there to leave a rating. So you could do it right now if you want. And I would be so, so grateful because it just helps other people um, hear about the podcast. But then the best way, of course, to let other people hear about the podcast is if you share it. And it's really easy. I share podcasts all the time. I like to send them as text messages. Check this one out. So... Um, Share the podcast today if you like it and want to support. Okay, now on to this episode. I'm so happy to have Anna Seawald here today. And Anna is the founder of Authentic Parenting, and she's a speaker, author, podcaster, and parent educator. And she has a background in psychology and education of working with kids for nearly 18 years. And now she helps parents. So I'm so glad you could be on the Mindful Mama podcast today, Anna. Thank you for having me, Hunter. I am very excited as well. So we know each other because um, I was on your podcast, Authentic Moments uh, and Authentic Parenting, and I um, I was excited to talk to you and things like that. And I I love what you just told me about sort of your you, before we recorded. You told me a little bit about sort of your personal story, big travels coming up in the future, <laughs> and things like that. So I'm curious about. You, so can I? So you basically, you know, you're telling me that you're going to back to Armenia after like years of living in the United States. And I know that you speak four languages and things like that. So now you work with parents. How, what in your, what do you feel like is in your background that, that sort of led you to this work? Or I'm just a little bit curious about your story now. Okay. So, wow. Let, let me share this then. Since you are uh, curious about my background, I will share with you that um, very briefly, I mean, I had a decent childhood, decent upbringing, you know, parents were together, no dysfunctional home and stuff like that. But when I hit the age of 13, uh, a severe earthquake happened in Armenia and I lost my mother, my relatives, my cousin, classmates, neighbors, teachers, everything was gone in literally seconds. And I don't want to focus on that experience because yes, it changed my life. It changed who I am. You know, there was hardship and horror and a lot of, you know, it's a huge tragedy, but, um, I have also learned a lot of things out of that experience, right? It was, life transforming to say the least, because here I am a teenager, a 13 year old, you know, you're going, stepping into puberty and going through this life-changing event when everything literally collapses and you're like, what's happening? Who am I? Uh, you know, you realize, um, 
you know, you go through loss, you go through grief because everybody was suffering. You know, it was a nationwide uh, experience. Um, you are sort of alone, yet there are people who are going through the same suffering. So it's a very colossal experience. Now that I look back, I don't even realize that that was my life. That was part of me. Uh, a lot of good things came out of that. I learned to be resilient. I learned to be with myself. I learned to look inwards and be with my deep uh, emotions, face loss, grief, go through all the stages. Um, I learned the value of people, how important close connections and relationships are, uh, family. I learned the significance of attachment. Um, you know, I learned all about trauma and well, when, well, hold on a second. No, yeah. no, I'm curious. That's amazing. But what do you mean by like the significance of attachment when it has, it has to yes. do with the earthquake and, and the yeah. yes, I'm getting there. So the significance <laughs> of attachment was that, um, you know, as I said, I had a good childhood, you know, I had a mom who was loving, caring, nurturing, right? Until the age of 13, I, I had a good bond. I had a good attachment. I had good foundation. And that really helped me not to become um, disoriented, dissociated, broken, um, even though it was heartbreaking, the experience. But because I had that foundation of a secure, good attachment. I come from a, uh, extended family, you know, grandparents, everybody was involved, you know, in a traditional, nice, tight knit extended family. So that was, that was huge. And that was huge, uh, also in the recovery process because we were all together helping one another, the role of community again, you know, and connections, um, the whole world literally poured in and became to help us. But uh, that's there, the humanitarian aid and, you know, the other people from around the world come and help you. You see that as a humanistic act, but you also see on a different level uh, your own family, your own neighborhood, how people were just helping one another. I mean, it changes everyone tremendously. So that's the role of attachment. And I started thinking for the first time in my life, how I missed my mom, right? I was uh, growing up basically without her care, without her love. Um, and when I was 13, this is where I'm going, in school, they gave us a, an essay to write my dream. The title was my dream. And it was like a free essay. You can write about basically anything you want. And at the time, you know, I wrote an essay and many years later, literally uh, a few years back, I found that essay in my child handwritten, um, you know, handwriting, this broken pieces of paper, very old, you know, yellowed paper. And I read, and you know, part of it's gone, but the first four pages are there. And I couldn't believe what I read. 
And it says, uh, my dream is to become a psychologist, to work with orphans. I want to serve children. I want to help the world. I mean, I had all these grandiose ideas. Um, I, I want to help and serve. Basically, I talk about justice. I talk about maternal love, the importance of attachment. As a 13-year-old, I mean, in my um, late 30s, I found this essay and I'm like, oh my gosh, basically what I had written as a 13-year-old, it all became true word by word. I did work with orphans. I did become a psychologist. Everything what was written there realized for me. And it's kind of freaky when I found it. And today what I do is like, I can write that essay today. It's still true. The values, the things that I talk about in there, it's still, I hold true in my heart. Um, you know, so my, what I want to say is we are who we are. Our essence doesn't change even from a very young age. And I always tell parents, treat your children seriously because they are who they are right from the very beginning. And that just doesn't change. Um, so that, in short, that's how I became a psychologist. I worked with orphans, beggars, street children, juvenile delinquents. And, you know, but once I became a parent, I realized that it's not the children. You know, we, we need to help parents. It's parents who need help and support and knowledge. And as a psychologist, I knew there's so much research out there. I knew as a psychologists, but ordinary people, you know, they don't have access to that knowledge and information. And so I created, you know, programs and seminars and workshops for parents. And today I have a full practice. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, it's an amazing story, Anna. I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss and the suffering that you went through. I mean, but it's, um, it's amazing how that has shaped you and how, how it made you grow up so quickly and put aside the small stuff and see these like incredible, these deeper things um, and this what's really important in life at a really young age. That's an amazing experience. I, I think so. I think, uh, yes, you're so right. Insignificant things don't bother me today. And my nine-year-old daughter would tell you, my mommy is always happy. She always says, asks me, mommy, why are you always so happy? And I'm like, I'm not always happy. Why is she asking this question? And I realized in her little mind, you know, in her young mind, she doesn't know the difference between resilient, happy, having a positive outlook. She thinks that's happy. Uh, even though I don't chase happiness, you know, I'm not happy. I'm definitely, I have all sorts of other emotions, but in her eyes, I am very resilient. Like I don't cry over little things. I can bounce back. Everything is a little challenge for me. So I have a different outlook on life. And um, I think that stems from my experience. Wow. Wow. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. 
This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So... It's interesting. And so did you see other people? And now I'm curious because I'm wondering about the listeners like, well, gosh, you know, like I didn't have an earthquake in my life and I do sweat the small stuff in my life. You know what I mean? And I'm wondering, like, I'm sure you saw a lot of responses to that earthquake. I'm sure that I mean, it's interesting in some ways that you came out of this with so much resilience and so much grounding. And I'm wondering, you know, I'm sure you probably saw others who came out of that maybe without this with a a very different response as well. Yes, yes, uh, you are so right. I mean, I can speak about my immediate family. I can speak about my father. He is turning 70 in September and he has not fully moved on. He is still stuck. He has PTSD. Uh, even though he's, you know, leading a full life, he never remarried. He never was able to do certain things because he has certain beliefs and he's he's stuck in his own ways. I mean, as a person with a psychology background, I can analyze and understand, but it's hard. You can't just tell someone, you know, go move on help you know it's it's such an internal process so that's him and my grandfather he just got a heart attack a few years after the earthquake he couldn't he couldn't live basically he you know excavated his dead grandchildren oh and my his, gosh. his uh you know his daughter-in-laws and he saw a lot so he couldn't bear and he was very young not even 60 he got a heart attack and he passed away right after the earthquake and every family um every person really grieved differently. And a lot of people were stuck 
um, I don't know, maybe I was young. Um, I was more adaptable. You know, I don't have an answer for that. My brother is in the same boat as me. He was two years younger than me. And he is also similar. He has a similar life, you know, um, a fully functioning person. But but I can remember of kids who committed suicide, uh, you know, right after. So I don't know what goes into that. That's a really good question, you know. It's your temperament, your upbringing, maybe your attachment history, the support you had. Uh, you know, I don't know. Some people did come out of it as, you know, resilient and they built different lives, but some people were stuck in the past and it affected them, you know, everyone differently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that probably is kind of an unanswerable question, you know, like why do some some people have hardship and and it, it really, you know, you see the you see all the it, it brings us other. You know, why do we have these very different reactions? It's it's it is really interesting. And I guess that's probably <laughs> probably a deeper question than we could probably answer in this just this hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That's that's a good question and I always contemplate about that. Um I mean, I think, you know, your nervous system has to do with it, you know, it, even I think back to your mom's pregnancy has to do with it. You know, did my mom have a good pregnancy? You know, because my uh, brain circuitry was built, you know, from a very, oh. very early on. So I think a lot, ha I, I do research and I read a lot about this subject. I, I am really curious about it myself. Have you read uh, research into the the state of a the of a, of a pregnancy, the the situations of a pregnancy affecting the sort of our mental health as we grow up? Absolutely, yes. There is a good book, an an older book. I can't remember of the title, but I will um, send you the name and the link. Uh, it's really research based. And there's a lot of connections, how uh, it affects basically, it, you know, our nervous system, our brain, everything develops and you're uh, a pregnant woman, you know, your stress level affects your fetus. And uh, there is even a study, I believe, um, correlated to the levels of hormones a pregnant woman has, uh, it's correlated to the uh, later in life, like a child becomes transgender or uh, gay or lesbian, that there is a correlation to that too. I mean, it's just one study, I believe, but it's a fascinating book. It, it's amazing. It's amazing the complexities of humanity that we don't even realize. So what sometimes when sometimes when parents and I, at least I know for me when my girls were younger, uh, when we hear about the studies about like you know fetal stress levels or that you know how attachment is so important in the first early years and and how um, these uh, you know the that you feel like, oh my gosh, like if I've yelled at my children, if I've lost my temper, if if I if I haven't like done these things sort of like to this 
perfectly or to this good level, like, have I messed up my kids, right? Have I, you know, like when we hear, oh my goodness, you know, I, maybe I did this when my child was in the fetus or, or when, when they were two and, and all these things. So what do you say to parents who are worried about having messed up their kids and, and that maybe they have children who are old, a little bit older now? And what, would, what do you say to parents like that? Oh boy. Um, but this is what I would say. I mean, I work with parents from all walks of life. I teach court ordered parenting classes and I work with drag addicts, you know, prostitutes, child molesters, I criminals, people who come and go in and out of prison. So I work with that clientele as well. So I have access, um, to a different perspective and insight into their, into their world. No parent, I've never met a single parent who does not love their children. And I have never met a single parent who says, you know what? I know better. I have all the knowledge and the skills, but I'm going to mess up my kid anyway. (laughs) That's never, that's never the case. People who, quote unquote, mess up their kids, they have a trauma history because I work with them. You know, they, even though the society tells them, calls them by different names, they are the addict, they are the criminal, but these people are severely wounded individuals lost in their trauma, disassociated. They don't know who they are. I am currently working with a woman who looks healthy, walks, makeup, clothing, everything uh, perfect, quote unquote, yet she is not capable of holding, she doesn't even want to work. She says, I'm on disability. I collect social security. She's 40 years old. Uh, She's, you know, well, she killed one of her children. Uh, She went to prison for that. She has another baby. It's put for adoption. She's taking parenting classes with me. So I work with her intensely, and when I try to tell her, but look, you can work, you can do this, you ha- you love dogs, why can't you start your own dog-sitting business, dog-walking business? I know you don't have money, but you can start with something. I give her ideas. I try to encourage her from outside, and when I went home the other day, I was so discouraged that she blocks everything I say it finally clicked. And I shared this with my husband and he told me I should write a book about this. It clicked because this person doesn't have a defined sense of self. How can she apply herself if she doesn't have a sense of self? She, her boyfriend is the same. She, he begs on the streets for money. How can someone go stay on the streets and beg for money. If they had a strong sense of self, they would never, ever do that. They would never, ever choose to be homeless. These people don't have a defined, strong sense of self. It's distorted. It's broken. It's disconnected and disassociated. And that's a sign of deep trauma. And it comes from childhood, even further from generations ago. So we need to help people like that and not put a label and say, criminal, addict, junkie, put them in jail. That's never going to help. You know, it's, it's a messed up system. And sorry, I'm taking a long way of answering this question, but this is why I believe 
people don't just mess up their kids. It's because of their history. And let's face it, what does it mean to mess up a kid? I mean, if you yelled a few times, trust me, it's fine. Uh, research suggests, honestly, the attachment research that we need to attune to our children 30% of the time. So parents put so much pressure on themselves, especially now with social media and the whole hype around parenting and doing the right way. Uh, you know, and plus our upbringing, we didn't get uh, nurturance and emotional needs were not met by our parents. So we overparent our children and it's totally sick that we meet our needs that way. You know, we feel significant that this is our job. I'm a parent now. I can parent this child and it gives me confidence that I'm doing something finally right in my life. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a very complex topic, you know, because people are different, you know, uh, it's, I say, if you are just a regular, typical parent, like me, like Hunter, uh, if you are listening to this podcast and you think you messed up your kids, chances are you're overthinking it. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't think people who mess up their kids will listen to this podcast. <laughs> Wow. Wow. And I mean, thank you for that. To that, I think that's a really thoughtful um, and impassioned like response to that question. And I think that, you know, that that question of like worrying and 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 really it's it's not it, it's not that, you know, this whole idea of like worrying for most of us that we have messed up our kids is ridiculous in, in some ways, like ridiculous to not be like incredibly skillful about about it but to but it's really the worry it's really the the worry itself that is is the harmful thing you know that we you know this this anxiety that we have about our maybe our our status or ourselves and that feeling of sort of not good enough in ourselves that sort of leads to this worry and and your answer of you know that we need to attune to our children 30% of the time Shoo, you know, like, yes, we can do that. We can do that, people. We can do that yes. 30% of the time. But I want to go back to what you're saying. I mean, this work you do, I mean, I first, I I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I I have very similar feelings about sort of our criminal justice system. And I I, I did do some volunteering teaching mindfulness and yoga in the prisons. And and I feel like people do need help really rather than um, punishment. You know, it really is a, a very, in very much, very much like a mirror of how we parent is how we sort of like um, this sort of higher level system, right. Of how we deal with, you know, so-called, you know, misbehavior, right. In our, in our whole civic system. But what I was, what I want to ask you about was just, I mean, that sounds like, I mean, you said that, that the woman, the mother you're working with, killed her child like that must be yeah that must be incredibly difficult for you personally to mm. yeah to handle I'm wondering how do you how do you how do you deal with this personally how do you take steps to uh, deal with this I don't judge people I, I don't, that's for sure. I don't judge my clients. I love my clients. I form deep relationships with them and I believe that's what helps them heal and, uh, get better. Everybody obviously has varying degrees of getting better. Um, but they, I give them a hug when they cry. I cry with them. It's a different relationship. Seriously. 
um, because I don't see her as a criminal and, and it changes everything. Every person who walks into my office, I see the humanness in them. I don't know. This is this weird thing comes over me when I'm working with people. I, I feel like I'm a different person. Um, I, I, it's strange when you ask that it does affect me, but when people come to me, I don't request their files. So this is one thing I don't do uh, when the um, child protective services or the courts or the lawyers send, you know, they come to me, the people, they call me, uh, they want to fax me their case. I say, I don't need to see their file because I want to accept them in their purest form. I want to see them and perceive them through my own lens. I don't want to read the crap about them, that they have a history of this or that, because that will influence my perception. So that helps. Um, I, I let the client tell me uh, what they went through or what their history is. You know, uh, I don't want to read about them. Uh, so that helps a lot too. And I do believe that every human being is a wonderful human being. You know, they just are wounded people traumatized who need to heal and recover. And to some extent, some do, some don't. Um, but I do impact their life. Even if they don't learn the full course or whatever, they still take away something. They feel connected with me. They continue their relationship. They feel safe. They share things with me. It's it's this wonderful relationship. And I love them. I, I truly do. Um, I think the believing in them part makes a big difference. That's why they want to change because somebody takes them seriously. Somebody listens to them. Somebody believes in them. I don't judge them. Somebody doesn't label them this or that. I had a person who was, um, who just came out of jail, who was a junkie all his life. His mother came and he says, oh, he's a junkie. I was treating him with respect and dignity and we were working he couldn't take that. It was suffocating for him. He, you know, he said to me, you don't understand. I'm a junkie. I'm a junkie. He stood up one day and he was yelling at me because sometimes it's too much. The, the quote unquote, nice, you know, decent treatment. Um, it's a very interesting work. Yes, definitely. Wow. You know, it's amazing. It's interesting because what you're talking about, like with these clients who are, you know, obviously like seriously suffering and have wounds and trauma and things like that. Well, you're saying this idea about your acceptance of each of these clients and this idea of safety and connection and non-judgment and non-labeling, like this is what I teach in mindful parenting, right? For parents to bring these attitudes to our children, right? Like acceptance, non-judgment, non-labeling, you know, so that we can just see people fully or see our children fully as they are in that moment. I mean, it's really interesting, the parallels to that. And I wonder, like, so my mom was, uh, my mom was a hospice nurse, or I guess she still is working as a hospice nurse a little bit, but um, she, she, she had, like, I think she would get 
and mom, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You probably if you're listening, <laughs> but she she would get uh, I think compassion fatigue in like her job, and she would get home to us and like if we were sick, like man, if we weren't dying because she was a hospice nurse, like there was nothing wrong with us. And my dad was a lot more sympathetic <laughs> and compassionate to us in a lot of in in, in various circumstances, you know, uh, especially when we were sick. So I'm wondering, like you do you, you know you have all this you are able to generate all this acceptance, this non-judgment, this connection and safety and non-labeling and things like that. So does that now just see, does that help you then when you come home and you're parenting your kids or do you sometimes get some fatigue? (laughs) Oh boy. I, the honest response is I do get that fatigue and no, my daughter doesn't get the same full acceptance and the non-judgment at home. And boy, does my husband get the shorts end of the oh. stick. <laughs> you will. Yes. Yes. Not always, not always. And I try to, I mean, in the earlier stages of my work with children, with juvenile delinquents in the correctional facility, I would take it home and I would be miserable for days. Now, um, it, I don't, you know, professionally you develop, I don't bring much home, you know, uh, it's, it's different, two different worlds, but I wish I had the same compassion, the same acceptance, the same everything for my family members. I am a human being. I don't act with my family as a therapist or as an educator, you know, I'm, I'm just a mom or a wife, sometimes a nagging wife. So, yeah, no, and sometimes my daughter will call out on, she says, I can't believe, mommy, you're teaching the parent, authentic parenting classes. <laughs> that was not authentic at all. <laughs> or, or my husband would say, sometimes you should listen to your own advice, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm laughing because I can so relate. <laughs> yes, that happens. Yes. That happens here too, believe me. Yes. That that happens. So, but, um, but I also find, I, I completely agree that, you know, that's, it's really, there's not, you can teach maybe what's like optimal and what's ideal and things like that. And what we maybe want to strive for, but in the end we're human. And I, uh, you know, there, there has to be some level of that, that acceptance has to be generated for ourselves first, you know, acceptance of ourselves before we can, you know, accept accept others because we're going to be human and make mistakes and and not be perfect. And so many times anyway, too. You know, by working with parents, what I have learned is, uh, I became very accepting and tolerant as a human being in general. Mm. Uh, as I work with many, many, many families and parents, I become more accepting and non-judging of other parents, like in Facebook groups, in other places, uh, because it's not who they are, right? You don't know their true stories. So in the beginning, when I first became pregnant, I joined an online forum before Facebook, right? Nine years ago, there were like online forums. Uh, It was a birth club. I don't know if you participated in one of those. So my daughter was supposed to be born in April. So our group was every mom in that group, there were thousands of women, I believe, 
whose children to be born in April of 2008. And we were all chatting and mingling online, sharing ideas and getting tips, new moms and older old moms. And I was very judgmental in that group myself. Uh, when I remember when I first joined, I would say, who would do that? Like, I wouldn't write that, but I would think judgmental thoughts. But now I am very different. Mm, do you do you think it's um your work with children and 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 so many moms and and parents that are suffering that helps you that or just being a mom yourself? I guess it's hard to tell. <laughs> I think I think both. I think both. Yeah, I think both. I mean, being a mom too, you know, you once you are a parent, you know what other parents are going through. So, bef- you know, if you don't have children and some child is crying in the airplane, you're like, shut that sound already. You know, you don't have patience or tolerance for that. But once you're a parent, you're like, oh, poor mom or poor kid. You know, they're having a hard time because mm-hmm. you've been there once. So I think, yeah, personal experience plays a role, too. It's interesting. You know, I totally was like that too. Like I remember being like, oh, I would never let my children do things. Like, you know, like I remember having these ideas and then, you know, then finally, of course, being a parent and being like, oh, it's not so easy as all that. Um, I, I wonder if the, that judgmentalness, right? Like the, the way we're harsh on others and we're also very harsh on ourselves. Like, I wonder if this is... Uh, I don't know. I wonder if you have any insight into this, Anna. Like, is this like, is this something innate or is this a societal thing? Like, are are we harder on, you know, that, that judgment of others and judgment of ourselves that is so harmful and makes us suffer so much? Like, is this something that's just sort of innately human or is this, I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, cause you've been in <laughs> other cultures, you know, is this, is this something uniquely... American? No. Other culture. <laughs> Let me tell you, other cultures are worse. <laughs> no, this is not a uniquely, this is a human thing. Judging yeah. others, judging people is a human thing. And I can go back into evolution history. I just uh, finished listening to this audiobook. It's called Sapiens. Oh, Sapiens uh, is amazing. I love Sapiens. It's a yes. must read, everybody. Yeah. Yes, Sapiens. In the Sapiens, if you uh, um, remember, or maybe, you know, just you didn't pay that much attention to that <laughs> little element, but what was interesting to me is, you know, tribal, you know, old times, we were um, all together, right? Let's say group of uh, groups are considered to be no more than 150 people. Otherwise, it becomes very large. Uh, gossip was part of oh, yeah. uh, part of human sapiens, you know, psyche or whatever you want to culture existence. So gossip historically, and how do you gossip? You judge, right? You criticize. So it's a very human thing. I think it, uh, we cannot be completely non-judgmental. I mean, come on, we compare one another, we compare things. Uh, so that's a human thing, but I think, um, the self-judgment has a different, um, root than the judgment of others. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, I would say 
upbringing has to do a lot with that, right? Uh, the early bonding, the trauma, the attachment. Again, I'm going back to that. I'm singing the same tune because that's what I believe in. Um, you know, that plays a huge role. If a child is growing up in a secure attachment, that child will have a, a positive self-esteem and confidence, inner confidence, inner motivation and intrinsic motivation. So this person will not be self-judgmental. Uh, you know, if you were judged and criticized and shamed all the time, of course you grow up with doubting yourself. You have, uh, you were not accepted. Your emotional needs were not met, which is acceptance, uh, belonging, importance, respect. If you grew up in that kind of environment, then likelihood is you will be self-judgmental. And when you are self-judgmental, which means you are also unworthy, uh, you know, you have tremendous sense of shame then it's hard for you to see other people under a different light and not judge other people. Uh, it's it's that sick uh, dynamic, you know, you transfer that onto other people. Um, but you can heal, you know, we can heal from that. Shame and judgment is born in relationships. It also needs to heal in adult relationships. Um, you know, we're not born like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I love what you're saying. Um, the idea about the shame and judgment and, and the way it is healed is, is through our relationship. So, well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. What? Well, you talked also about secure attachment. What do you see as some of the most important um, things that we can do as parents for to help our kids have a secure attachment? Um, again, I'm going back to know yourself. 
heal yourself, go get therapy, go get help. Uh, like this woman who killed her child who doesn't have a sense of self, right? How can she be a mother to a child and provide a secure base, a secure emotional attachment? That's not possible. First, you need to be attached to yourself, right? You need to know who you are, uh, your authentic self. That's what I talk about. Um, that's the first layer. In order to be able to build a healthy relationship with your child and provide that safety, that emotional safety, um, because your child is growing up, your child is innocent, your child already has essence, has uh, the authentic self is there and it's developing and unfolding right in front of your eyes. And when you don't have your own authentic self, it's hard to see it in your child. So the conflict rises. You want to mold them. You want to shape them. You want to change them. You want to control them and manipulate them um, to your image, to your liking. Everything they do, you're not going to see them as a separate human being. It's messed up, right? That's what messing up is. So Deal with your issues first. Discover who you are. If you already know who you are, then cultivate self-awareness practices, mindfulness practices, take it deeper, you know, self-awareness, self-knowledge is really important. But if someone has a, a trauma history, they need to do a lot more healing, obviously, in order to be a parent. Let me tell you, Hunter, parenting is not hard. Parenting on a day-to-day -day basis is a very practical <laughs> job. And most parents, if they didn't have this emotional baggage from their past, every parent would do it perfectly. But because we bring our past into parenthood, that makes a lot harder. And when we became parents, we did have the issues prior to parenting. Parenting exemplifies it. Uh, before, we did have that emotional baggage, but we developed coping mechanisms. We developed survival techniques, um, different patterns, and we avoided certain things or, you know, uh, we denied certain things. But parenting, there is no avoiding or denying. It's right there. So it sort of brings all the dirt out on the surface and says, face it, deal with this. You know, we did have all the issues prior to parenting, except parenting just puts it out in the open. You know, it's, it's very interesting. I think it's evolutionary for us to heal, uh, like generations, this generation heal through parenting, then our kids will heal through their kids. I think it's, it's a, you know, it's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's beautiful. I love, I love the way you put that. Like there's no avoiding or denying our issues now. And I think that is kind of like, that is the shock and awe of parenting that we speak about. Like that, this idea that here are our issues really just laid out in front of us. And sometimes I say, you know, I joke that, you know, the, the Buddha would have been, you know, <laughs> you know, or the, some, some monk on a mountaintop would, would become enlightened so much faster if they had a child to just hear all your issues to work on. Um, 
But oh, is that why they don't have kids? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they maybe they are so enlightened that they know that this is going to bring up all the issues <laughs> up to the surface. But but it's really interesting that you're saying that it it, it without all of these issues it would be a lot easier and i think that parents don't see this deeper thing they see they see that we need to kind of like they we, they come through the lens of we need to fix our children we need to fix the behavior of our children so i don't feel so uncomfortable and then everything will be okay we need to fix the children we once were. That's who we need to fix. Yes, we are mm -hmm. fixing the child, but we're fixing the child who we once were. Our children don't need fixing. Don't break something that is not broken, that is just unfolding right now in front of our eyes. I, I work on this very hard with my daughter. It's hard sometimes, but I see who she is. I mean, how can I destroy something that is so growing perfectly, harmoniously, and without my minimal interference, if I interfere less, she will bloom better. I think <laughs> faster and greater, you know, look at me. I mean, I was left on my own devices as a 13 year old. There was no uh, parental involvement. I basically raised myself after the age of 13. And I can tell you, I work with children, homeless, beggar children, street children, Parents are not, I don't want to disqualify parents. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> wrong people. But, you know, our role is not as, what's the word? Not involved, but overly involved. You know, we yeah, need to I give them space, uh, you know, for them to grow. It's like growing a plant. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, we can't smother it. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. Just kind of let that innate sort of beauty happen. So, uh, one thing I see in parents, one thing I see that kind of holds, I think, us back as or holds parents back from maybe doing a better job or being able to let go. And and uh, the one thing I I think one thing I think is like our fear, right? Our fear that our fear for our children, our fear of what could happen, our fear of like them not being successful and all those different things. But also I think is this idea that, um, that we will just innately know what to do. That parenting is, um, that we just have this parenting instinct and that it will be innate. And, and I think that may be true, maybe like when you have a baby, like a newborn baby, but, but I don't, I'm not really sure that's true, uh, as we get to, as our kids get older. And I wonder what you think about this, Anna. Yes, I, I, I do agree. And there's a reason for that, right? Why? Because it's evolution. It's biology. When you are a new mom to a newborn baby, your instincts are sharp, laser sharp. You have to, that infant is depending on you. You need to protect, nurture. Uh, you are the survival source. You are the life force for that newborn. But as your child grows older, there's this detachment has to happen and the instincts need to uh, not be so intense because there is this beautiful process happening. The individuation of the other uh, uh, self, your child, and if you smother them, if your instincts were so high and intense and laser focused as in infancy, the individuation simply will not happen. Your child with 
age, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful process. You need, they grow, they are becoming their own person and our role is minimal and it's okay. We need to embrace that. Uh, my sister-in-law the other day told me her daughter is 13 years old and she goes, Oh, my heart is breaking, Anna. She comes and she retrieves into her room. She doesn't socialize with us anymore and blah, blah, blah. I said, that's, that's, she's becoming her own person. That's adolescence. She's not going to be needy as she was when she was three years old. And you're not that needed anymore. You know, your relationship is different. Parenting style has to be different. Uh, what you used to coerce them to do something when they were four, it's not going to work the same method when they are 12 or 11. Uh, you know, it, I think that's the natural unfolding. I wish parents would see their children as already whole, complete, authentic human beings who are developing their authentic self and just be part of that beautiful unfolding, observe, watch them grow and enjoy that journey. Your job is minimal. You're not fixing them or forming them. Like I said, from the very beginning in my story, the essence is there and that cannot be taken away. You can, um, harm it, you can hinder it. Uh, and then later they have to go through therapy to find their authentic self. But why let's, let's give them that opportunity today. Uh, you know, that, that's very, that's very important. They are who they are already complete, whole, innocent, beautiful human beings. Mm, I love what you're saying, Anna. And I, I think you said that, said that really, really beautifully. And I think the message that I'm getting and that I hope the listener is getting is that we can chill out a little bit more people. <laughs> and it's like, yes. a, it's like a message of relax, like, you know, calm down, slow down, like, let it be. And, and just, you know, I love that. So thank you so, so very much. So, Anna, I, I could probably talk to you about this for, I mean, I can picture us like sitting uh, around with a glass of wine and kind of talking about this for hours and hours and hours. And I would, we should probably do that sometime. But um, where can people find out about the work that you do and where can they, they, and Anna has the podcast, Authentic Moments. You should listen to that on with Anna Seawald and that. You can find on iTunes and things like that. But where can people find you, Anna? Well, the easiest way is AuthenticParenting.com. That's my home on the internet and everything else is there as well. And once we were speaking, I glanced into my bookshelf, which is next to me, and I found the book that I made a reference to. Uh, it's called The Secret Life of the Unborn Child, mm -hmm. written by Thomas Verney, PMD, with John Kelly. Um, how you can prepare your unborn baby for a happy, healthy life. Oh, okay, cool. And we will put notes. Uh, we'll put links in the show notes. Um, we'll put these books in the show notes, and we'll put links to um, Anna's site and podcast over at um, mindfulmamapodcast.com. Um, thank you so much for talking to us today. It was really, 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 really a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. You're, you know, you're one of my favorite people. <laughs> and I know some of my podcast listeners are also your listeners. So we share a group of uh, women who 
I know for sure they listen to my podcast and to yours. And I want to say thank you guys for listening and supporting our work. I love Hunter and... Yeah. So you, you're going to be on my show soon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank spoiler, you. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mama podcast. I didn't you love Anna. I love her. I'm going to have to get her back on the podcast another time and talk some more. She's pretty amazing. So I hope you loved these ideas about, I mean, my from, for me, a big takeaway is that idea of overparenting, right? That we have just kind of swinging this pendulum back. So that's kind of a relief, right? We don't have to do so much. Um, if you have any questions, um, you can check the show notes for the podcast at mindfulmamapodcast.com or you can email me with questions at hunter at hunterclarkfields.com. Clark with an E, Fields with an S. And I would be so, so grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating. And again, remember, it's super easy. You can just search for it on your podcast app on your phone and leave a rating right there. So I really, really appreciate those ratings. It helps enormously. Be sure to mark your calendar and start to get your tickets for the October 21st Mindful Mama day-long retreat at the Winterthur Country Estate in Wilmington, Delaware. And there are regular tickets and there are VIP tickets where we get to go out to a lovely, beautiful dinner at night with uh, me. And that's, uh, of course, very limited in number. And you should just go to hunteryoga.com retreat where this retreat is to like read some of the reviews. People have an amazing time at this event. Someone said it is life-changing. So it can be really powerful and a really powerful way to rejuvenate yourself, get in touch with what you most deeply value, and just truly and deeply rest. Like, oh my God, we need that so much in this culture. And especially before the holidays, we're going to do um, some focus this time on how to have a peaceful holiday season. So I invite you to check that out. And thank you so much if you're sharing the podcast or if you've left a review. Remember, it's easy to do it on the phone. Um, It helps so, so much. I really, really appreciate it when you share. And I appreciate it when you write to me. And I've had people send me articles and all these things. and And I love that. I love hanging out and being in your ears like this. So I, I hope you enjoy it too. So I'm wishing you a beautiful, beautiful week, my friend. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for all of your life? I'm a mom who has gone from really being stressed and yelling when my kids were young to having a more grounded, more at ease relationship with life and having more enjoyable, cooperative relationships with my kids. And I've shown hundreds and thousands of women around the world how to do this. And I want to show you how to do it too. So if you are currently feeling stuck or stagnant, this is definitely for you. I've created a free downloadable audible training, Mindfulness for Moms, the superpower you need. And it will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids for a lifetime. To get on on this audio training absolutely free, simply visit the website 
www.mindfulmomguide.com. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was... Steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It.